0: The Western Sahara, site of a long running and unresolved land dispute. In 1975, Morocco annexed much of the former Spanish colony. Tens of thousands of local people, Sahrawis, who also lay claim to the land, fled to neighbouring Algeria. A 16 year insurgency ended with a truce, brokered by the UN in 1991, and the promise of a referendum on independence, which has yet to take place. So, what's it like for those still living in Algeria? Nicola Kelly went to meet some of those exiles from the disputed territory.
1: The first thing to stir me is the creak of a shabby shed door, followed by a bright beam of light across my face. Here in the desert, you sleep like a baby, my host Zorgan says, laughing gently from the doorway and giving my foot a gentle shake. Nine hours last night. Outside, the wind whistles, rattling the corrugated iron roof overhead before sweeping up a spiral sand cloud and lightly sprinkling warm grains over my legs. Zorgan, a hospitable Sahrawi gentleman, covers his head with the pointy hood of his chocolate-brown burnous, or cloak, and makes his way across the courtyard to begin preparing the first round of sugary green tea. Battling through sandstorms is a fairly typical start to any day here in the camps of Tindouf in southwest Algeria. The sprawling mass of huts resembles a desert town rather than a tented village, home to more than a 165,000 people. Most, like Zorgan, fled here 43 years ago, seeking sanctuary when war broke out. It was to be a temporary move, but a generation later, Western Sahara remains a disputed territory, divided by a vast, heavily landmined wall, known to Sahrawis as the Berm of Shame. With no solution on the horizon, all that displaced people like Zorgan can do is wait, disillusioned, disempowered and, increasingly, disaffected. But still, life ticks on. Just across the sandy way and inside the main room, Zorgan is methodically pouring and re-pouring sticky tea from one glass to another to remove sandy residue. Opposite sits his wife, Mimi, cutting up a baguette fresh from the bakery, and carefully arranging it on a plastic plate alongside triangles of dairy-lee cheese, a luxury item around these parts. I slump down on one of the long velveteen cushions that line the perimeter of the room and listen as they begin to hum folk songs, nostalgic, mournful tales of love and loss. Now in his early fifties, Zorgan was just ten when Moroccan troops entered his village and forcibly drove his family from their home – one of the first wave of refugees to make the desert crossing here to Tindouf. We began walking at around seven. It was a dark night, no moon, he tells me, eyes widening at the memory. We stayed in a valley for three days with nothing, no food, no water. Then we heard the Moroccan troops flying helicopters overhead. Everyone tried to hide under rocks, under trees, anywhere. After more than two weeks hiding in the valley, Zorgen's father made a fateful decision. His wife would continue on with their eight children while he returned to fight with the Saharawi resistance movement, the Polisario. Unfortunately, he was injured and captured by Moroccan troops, Zorgan explains. Then softly, I never saw him again after that. No news. Nothing. Zorgon asked the Moroccan pilot, a political prisoner held by the Sahrawis, what might have happened to his father. He was told there were two likely explanations. He could have been thrown from a helicopter or buried alive in a mass grave. Eventually the Sahrawi fighters found Zorgon and his family and drove them to the Algerian border where a handful of other refugee families had already started to build shelter. When I arrived as a child, I thought it was the end, he tells me, shaking his head slightly. I was comfortable in my house, spoiled, but I found myself in the middle of the desert with nothing, starving, and all the time, in my mind, the picture of one person, my father. We lost everything. But they did rebuild their lives, from the ground up, seeking out wood for shelter, butchering wild camels for food and finding a water source. Nowadays, it's a very different picture for the Saharawis living here. They've established hospitals, prisons, schools. There's even an exchange programme for students to spend the summer in Spain. And there's a tangible sense of unity and pride, a clear idea of what it means to be Saharawi. Later, following a feast of char-grilled camel, Zorgan and I make our way to a sandbank guided by a blanket of stars overhead. He points towards the moon perfectly round, so low it seems to be at eye level, and a striking lemon yellow colour. I ask if he still has hope he'll return home. His response, so full of resilience and redemption, moves me to tears. I have no doubt, one day I will have the chance to say to my father, goodbye.
0: Nicola Kelly